Beyond the Box 20. Do We Need Doctrine and Theology, Part 2. Second and Final Part. In our last program, we asked a basic question. Do we really need what is called doctrine and theology? After all, it's like a question I got, and it's really, when you think about it, a bizarre situation. I'm in a Bible college. I'm teaching a core subject in a Bible college. I am teaching theology. I am teaching the doctrine of God. I am teaching, in this case, eschatology, the doctrine of last things. Now, you would think that learning about what is happening in the end from God's point of view would be a very high priority. But we live in strange times, and people, if they're not grounded in the Word and filled with the Spirit, will think strange thoughts. And as I tell the story, it was a mature-age man who asked me, do I really need to learn this subject? He was 42 years old when he asked the question. And he basically said, I just want to plant churches and win souls. Why do I need to know all these things? Well, the short answer is yes, you do need to know these, because it is, shall we say, the foundation of your whole walk with God. You don't build your walk with God out of ignorance. You build it out of knowledge, wisdom, understanding. So yes, I think it is important to know about eschatology, about things to come. After all, that's why the Holy Spirit came to this planet, to show us things to come. And it is really of the highest importance that we now visit this subject of doctrine and theology. It sounds bizarre, but again, we are in bizarre times, that Bible colleges and seminaries are refraining from even using the words doctrine and theology. Now, mind you, the word theology, as far as I understand, is not in the Bible, but it is a biblical principle. It means the study of God. Whereas doctrine is definitely a word found in the Bible, particularly the New Testament, even in the gospel, it's found by Jesus himself. And basically, doctrine means teaching. And remember, you either have good teaching or you have bad teaching. You have truthful teaching or you have false teaching. You have life-giving teaching or you have rubbish teaching. It's all out there. It's not a case that we don't need teaching. We do, because without it, we are the blind leading the blind. No, we need the right teaching. I like the authorized version's rendering of Proverbs 19.27. 19.27, it says something to the effect of, Cease, my son, from hearing the words that cause you to err from the words of life. Excuse me if I didn't get it exactly right, but it's pretty much that. Don't listen to instruction that causes you to err from the words of life, from the words of love, from the words of life, or light, I should say, and from the words of God. So yes, absolutely, without hesitation, we need sound doctrine, we need sound theology. Because I'm telling you, if you don't have the genuine article, you will have a void that will be filled with falsehoods. And I'm telling you, that is a fate worse than being locked up in a prison. Doctrine and theology. Let's continue on. This is part two. There is an issue we need to learn. Just because things are done, quote, in the name of Christ, doesn't mean it has 
theological or divine backing or approval in any way. Jesus himself condemned his generation where he said, they teach as commandments or as doctrine the commandments of men. Their teaching doctrine, but nothing to do with God, is just man-made, home-cooked good ideas. Traditions and good ideas of men dressed up in Christian garb. Now, the problem is that the results of listening to man's doctrine rather than God's will be inferior, and not only that, you run the risk of displeasing the Almighty. Or else, when a time of shaking comes, and we're definitely in a time of shaking now, then the whole work will collapse into a heap. Because as it tells us, I believe in Psalm 127, verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, and it's built on the Word of God, the apostles and prophets, Christ the chief cornerstone, the Holy Spirit, the cross of Christ, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. There is an interesting, I need to call it a good book, called Escape from Church, Inc., The Return of the Pastor Shepherd, written by E. Glenn Wagner. Let me repeat that, Escape from Church, Inc., I-N-C, Incorporated. The Return of the Pastor Shepherd, E. Glenn Wagner. He speaks of how ministry training institutions, that's Bible colleges and seminaries, have departed from teaching pastoral theology and have embraced more practical subjects. Since the theological basis of these subjects is very lightweight or non-existence, there has been a heavy emphasis of including things like sociology, political science, motivational business practice, psychology, and other secular disciplines. Now, these are done not in addition to teaching theology and pastoral practice, but in substitution for theology and pastoral practice. So what the result is, is instead of having a pastor shepherd who fulfills the command of Christ to take care of the sheep, and instead you end up with managers, CEOs, and secular business or corporate leaders. Now, these type of leaders are interested more in numbers and bottom line than in the spiritual welfare of people. Instead of nurturing the sheep, they are fleeced instead. Disappointment and disenfranchisement have resulted from this sorry legacy. I am pleased to see that some people who have done this course of action and gone down that road have recognized, and they've come back to the pure teaching of God's Word, and they are loving and caring the sheep as God has ordained. Because remember, we all have to stand before God one day and answer for what we've done. And bringing souls to the kingdom is wise and honorable, raising them up as fruit-bearing disciples of Jesus, wise and honorable. All these things are of the utmost importance, but we need doctrine and theology to get it right. Remember, these things, doctrine and theology, are established for our protection. This is best summarized by Jesus himself at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He says that whoever hears and does these sayings of his is a wise man that builds his house on the rock. When the rains descend, the floods rise, the winds blow, the house will still remain standing because it has a sure foundation. Those who do not hear and do Jesus' words, they're likened to foolish people who build their house on the sand. When the same storm hits, the collapse is total and ruinous. 
The reference is Matthew chapter 7, 24 to 27. Doctrine and theology help make us into strong, stable, established followers of Christ. And by the way, you never actually, certainly this side of heaven, graduate from the school of theology and doctrine. We are lifelong learners. In fact, we will never graduate, even in eternity, because it takes all eternity to know and understand the Lord. And that's a wonderful thing. Jesus actually defines eternal life in John 17, verse 3, as knowing God, the one true God, and knowing Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. That's the essence of eternal life, growing in the knowledge of God. For as it is prophesied, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. Doctrine and theology protect us from error, keep us in God's light, causes us to be fruitful in every good work as we increase in the knowledge of God. That's Colossians 1 verse 10. So a return to the celebration of Christian theology, doctrine, and yes, even creeds, is a convenient way to get distilled doctrine that resists heresy and fortifies us in the days ahead. Let's take hold of these timeless doctrines, and you will never go wrong. Now, what do we learn here? There's aspects of theology. Let me just talk to you for a moment on these. Aspects of theology. As you can imagine, the study of God is vast in itself for the simple reason that God is big. Theology is divided among major topics. Let me quickly mention them to you. You don't have to master them. You don't even have to remember them. But they would help you if you want to study. And you don't, by the way, have to enroll in a school. You can do this online. You can just be a reader of books that are sound and wonderful and readable when it comes to the doctrine of God. I remember a colleague of mine in Melbourne, he said he went to bed at night reading theological works. Now, either they were very insomnia-inducing, or not insomnia-inducing, insomnia-fighting, or he just enjoyed reading theological works. But that was his passion. And may we have a passion. We don't have to read theological works in bed. We don't have to enroll in Bible college. We don't have to enroll in online course. But all those are options. It's whatever you can do to grow in the knowledge of God. Not for brownie points, that's not the purpose, but to just grow spiritually. And when you grow spiritually, your capacity to handle life and to come out on top is greatly enhanced. Just a few disciplines for your consideration. There's the branch of theology called bibliology, the study of the inspiration, canonicity, inerrancy or infallibility of the Word of God and the importance of the 66 books of the Bible. 39 books are in the Old Testament and 27 books in the New Testament. Then we have angelology, the study of the origin, nature, and work of angels. We have what is called anthropology, origin, character, constitution, and study of humankind, the creation of, the fall of, and the redemption of humankind. We have what is called Christology, or Christology, the study of the person and work of Christ. Though his greatest work, the saving of our souls, is given its own separate topic. 
There is the branch of theology called Hamar theology. What is that? Hamar theology is the study of the origin, nature, and effects of sin. Now, here's a branch of theology that's been very, very neglected. It is called Israelology. It's about the election, history, and future destiny of the people of Israel as per the scriptures. Romans chapters 9 to 11 are the definitive statement about Israel. Now, this can be controversial because Israel itself can be controversial, modern or ancient or both. What we need to remember is that this subject is mentioned 2,568 times in the Bible, just the word Israel. There is a reason to learn about this, because we learn about God's election, we learn about God's covenant, we learn about God's faithfulness, we learn from the successes and failures of the people of Israel as recorded in Scripture, and even though they had their challenges and their flaws and their sins, they are greatly beloved because of the patriarchs. They are loved because they received the covenants, the promises, the gimme of the law, the service of God, the tabernacle and temple of glory, all these kind of things. It's to their credit. And we benefit as well. So it is a subject, and of course, it's a key to understanding end time prophecy. Just ask Daniel chapter 9 on that count. There is soteriology. Now that's the study of Christ and his saving work, the doctrine of salvation. Soteriology. And then we have ecclesiology, the study of the founding, organization, ordinances, and mission of the church, as well as the future of the church. A good way to study about the church is, of course, the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is about the church of Christ, and Colossians, another prison epistle, is about Christ of the church. And then I dare even broach this one, eschatology, the study of last things. It looks at future events in the light of God's word, including the second coming of Christ, the kingdom reign of Christ, and the eternal state, the heavenly time, or shall we say, I call it heavenly time, but it'll be on earth, the eternal state, the forever and ever, amen, the new Jerusalem and all that happens. But there's something else. Eschatology also includes what we call the intermediate state. What is the intermediate state? It's that which spans the period from physical death to physical resurrection. All who have died, apart from Christ himself, are in the intermediate state. Did you get that? From physical death to physical resurrection. What happens to people when they die? And as you can imagine, there's two vastly different outcomes. But without getting into the subject so much, let me quote to you from a tombstone in the American state of Ohio that really kind of provokes thought in a healthy way. On the tombstone, it was written these words, Not so fast, stranger, as you pass by. As you now are, so was I. As I now am, again, this is the dead person, so you will be. Therefore, be prepared to follow me. Years later, someone added a P.S. postscript after that line. 
And this is what it said. To follow you, I am not content till I know which way you went. Welcome to the intermediate state. It is a fascinating topic. And let me dare say, and I believe it's true, it's a wonderful tool for evangelism. I used it on one of my own very near and dear relatives, and they came to faith and stayed in the faith, praise God, and are safely with the Lord today. These are the branches of theology. Let me repeat them. Bibliology, angelology, anthropology, Christology, homartiology, Israelology, soteriology, ecclesiology, and eschatology. Now, before I finish, let me just make a plug for the creeds. I did not grow up in church. I did not grow up reciting creeds, Apostles' Creed, Nicene Creed, Athanasian Creed. I didn't have any of that background. But as I did my formal study, I came across them, and they are from God, in my opinion. They basically summarize the doctrine of Christ in easy-to-remember format, recited again and again, especially by the early church, but even till now. And I do want to encourage you to take a fresh look. It's easy to get a hold of the creeds, especially with internet. Apostles' Creed, Nicene Creed, which is a greater elaboration of the Apostles' Creed, and the Athanasian Creed, which is highly Trinitarian. It is worth reading, and I think it will inspire you. It's very beautiful, and it might even instill a bit of the fear of the Lord. Let me just read to you slowly the Apostles' Creed, and I believe this summarizes doctrine and theology very well. It reads, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Remarkable. It summarizes the whole story in just a few lines. But let me just say, within these few lines is the whole of the gospel. Christ was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pilate, and here's the core of the gospel. Crucified, dead, buried. And then he rose again on the third day. That's the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 to 5. That's the gospel. He's at the right hand of God presently. He's coming again. And what will he do? He will judge the quick and the dead. What we also believe is he uh, will reign forever and ever. And it also says, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the universal church, the communion of saints. I'm quoting the Nicene Creed now. The forgiveness of sins the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. If you could even just master, not just memorizing the creeds, but what each of those phrases mean, you'll be light years ahead of many. Friends, back to our main point. We do need doctrine, sound doctrine. We need theology, sound biblical theology. But more than that, 
We need an encounter with Jesus, be filled with the Holy Spirit, rightly related to the body of Christ, in obedience to his call upon our lives. That's what we really need, and doctrine and theology can help you get there. Allow me to pray. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for these gifts to the world. Doctrine, theology, the creeds. Help us to see them for what they are. Help them to appreciate what they are and help us to run with them. So we are in the light, the light of Christ, and within there is no darkness. Bless each and every one, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.